It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the T&E Speakeasy, with your hosts, Caleb, Isaac, and Eric. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics from Star Wars to podcasting and a brief return to everyone's favorite topic, The Lighthouse. I'm back. Welcome back, sir. He's not back, also not yet. He's still in the washroom. No problem. Canadians in your Canadian terms. Oh yeah, I guess it's washroom, bathroom. Pardon me if I say stuff about with Zed. No, 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 no. I'm so used to it. You don't know me probably at all. I mean, like, I guess I never knew how much he had listened to me in my podcast over the years. And I didn't know that until very recently. So I guess he's heard me a lot. You don't know anything about me. But I've, I'm used to talking, for podcasting reasons, I'm used to talking to people from almost all the English-speaking countries except maybe New Zealand or South, America, South Africa. Yeah, them Dutch descendants. <laughs> Uh, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Isaac. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for being on here. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm always game to guest on any podcast. No, we didn't start. We were just introducing okay. before the. And I was going to say at the top of the call, I can't believe we're about to pod on this subject, this particular movie, right now. Because oh. uh, before, as I was waiting for the time to come. I just started watching the finale of uh, Mandalorian, and I'm I'm I had to stop halfway because of the time. Oh my gosh! I was just like, I have to watch the second half of this episode. I can't believe I'm about to pause this to talk about Son of Godzilla when I just have to see how this episode is going to end. But anyway, it's all good. Yeah, one day, one day we'll get we'll get back to watching that. But I've only seen the first three episodes, so. <laughs> I mean, if you want to just do a series overview of it, go ahead. Oh what? No, no, I would never do that. But why? I want to know the story as to why you've only seen three episodes. Oh, uh, we were just doing all the Star Wars commentaries, and I just was Star Warsed out. <laughs> yeah, I think we did that one right wow. when we were watching the two Ewok wow. movies, and I was like, "Oh God, these terrible Ewok movies!" And then the holiday special. Had you seen those before? Yeah, I'd seen I'd seen them all before. Did you notice the? I don't know. There, there's a creature. There's a creature from one of those movies. I think maybe the yeah, second one. Yeah, we pointed one. that out. Oh, yeah. Blurg, I think? I think that's what it was called. Mm, I don't know, but yeah. Well, I don't, I've never yeah. been Star Wars out in my life. Um, <laughs> and Mandalorian Season 1, you probably, I mean, you probably know this just from whatever you, you've read or see out there, but it's, I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is good. This is great. Oh, I like this. Okay, this works in a live-action format, you know, Star Wars. A series this is good this is good stuff but then season two oh boy oh boy now it went from this is great to this is the best thing that's happened 
you know, during the Disney era by a mile. Uh, as much as I like many of the Disney movies, The Mandalorian Season 2 and now Mandalorian as a whole, it, it's by far and away the best Disney Star Wars thing that's happened. Well, aside from the last four episodes of Clone Wars Season 7, which is also amazing. But yeah. <laughs> Did you, uh, are you excited for Andor? Not Andor, specifically. I don't know what I'm what I'm most anticipating out of all the slew of things they put out there, but Andor's lower on my list. As much as I love the movie Rogue One, I don't know, maybe it's just knowing that there's a finality already, but that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. But also, uh, it, it because of how good Mandalorian is, and that's made by Jon Favreau primarily, and Filoni and Lucas, um, it, it they've already proven themselves as they are like the Star Wars kings as far as um, uh, as far as guiding the reins, and so I'm more interested in the ones that they're connected to more, you know, more directly the spinoffs. I mean, um, rather than some of the other spinoffs like, uh, see, I already forgot the name of the one you just named, Andor. It, it's it's not done by them primarily. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It just means, you know, I'll I'll judge it when it you know when it comes, and, and you know we'll see. Yeah, I think the only one that's really gotten me excited again for Star Wars is the one that Patty Jenkins is making. I think it's I mean, Rogue Squadron, I think it's yes, called. That could be very interesting. I forget which which of them is supposed to take place in in the uh, Old Republic era. That's interesting because I've always wanted to see, you know, like a extremely removed time period for Star Wars, and that would be the first time for that. So I'm <clears> interested <throat> in that one. Um... Mm, Ahsoka, I guess not because I mean I love Ahsoka, the character from Clone Wars, but because that one's gonna probably get into who knows what, like a lot more, like I guess things that are you could call like fan service, but I don't mean it in a negative way, because Ahsoka has the possibility of encountering much more significant characters, shall we say, that we may not have seen yet before on screen. So that that one. That one's probably the one I'd anticipate the most because it'll probably feature like the most high profile things of that nature. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wish I was enthusiastic about Star Wars still, but <laughs> oh, actually, I'll, I'll just say on that day that we were supposed to record last time, one of our listeners actually requested us to watch the Lego Star Wars holiday special. So we watched that instead. And uh... <laughs> I was that, but I've been meaning to watch that, but I, you know, <laughs> fan. Fiction. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. But... <laughs> we, we are we are a little different when it comes to Star Wars up here. Um, I think you're more an OG fan than both of us are. I was also a kid of that era. Yeah, we were kids <laughs> for the prequels. Yeah, Caleb, you're more of a Star Trek guy. Yes, yeah, Star Trek guy. But I've always been a I've always been the Star Star Wars guy. When I was in my middle school, high school years. I was more of a Star Trek guy because that was, well, they were putting things out at that time, whereas uh, Star Wars wasn't. Uh, so I was much heavier into Star Trek during those times. But, uh, and, and I still have a massive love for Star Trek. Always do. But but it, with, the, with the things that really stand out as good right now, I mean, Star Wars is just killing it right now. And, and I kind of like, to varying degrees, I like all the Disney stuff, kind of. Um, except for last Even Jedi. Rise? Except for that. <laughs> huh? What's that? 
even Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I, I'm much more okay with it. Last Jedi is pretty bad. I guess that's uh, well, fair enough. All my Canadian friends love it, but anyway. but uh, <laughs> most of my Canadian and, and European friends love Last Jedi, but I'm not part of that group. Uh, okay, that's some popular opinions there, I guess. It has its fans. No, Rise has its flaws, but I, I, I even though I'm a, I don't know, I don't know how serious a fan I am, aside from how big my love is for Star Wars, the thing, the issues in the movie, I can mo- mostly make peace with, and it it doesn't it doesn't really throw me that much. There was actually only one thing that really threw me a little bit with Rise, and that didn't necessarily throw other people amongst all the other things, which was the one thing I wish they would have changed is. If you kind of pay attention to the movie and the pacing, and I'm not talking about the, I know how fast it goes, but what I mean is if you really listen to the dialogue and what's going on, from the time the movie starts and you know they're trying to figure out where Exegol is and whatever, to the time where the end happens, where they have to stop the Emperor, it's, I don't, I don't remember now because it's not fresh in my mind, but it's something like 16 hours or something. And, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So all the events in this movie have to happen like in 16 hours. Like they have to trawl up around the entire galaxy and get involved in what they, cause think whenever you've tried to finish a task in real life. And if it was a big, difficult task and someone said, you got to finish this in 16 hours. And you'd just be like, this is impossible. There's no way. I didn't even have enough sleep before I started. You know what I mean? And they have to, accomplish all the mini quests and all the planet hopping and everything like in 16 hours that took me out of it and i was like why did they have to put that dialogue if they just would have not left it if they wouldn't if they just didn't say that in in my mind i could have imagined oh it took at least two days to get from here to here or two days from there to there maybe it took a week or two for everything to happen 16 hours that was actually the biggest stumbling block for me that was that was just I, i just couldn't wrap my mind around it but i don't know that's me I don't even think I noticed that. It's more the return of Palpatine that really uh, put me off. But it, I did. Once they realized Palpatine was a threat, and they realized like how much time he needed before his his ships could launch, it, it was a ridiculous time frame. Because you know it'd be like because I get it. They have hyperspeed or whatever, but it'd be it'd be like in Game of Thrones. You know, this is a vast continent. Whatever, whatever. Oh no, Daenerys is about to take over King's Landing in sixteen hours. But we're in Winterfell, but we'll do it somehow. You know, it would just be, you wouldn't know how to fathom that. You know, it, it's, and yeah, so I just wish they didn't say it. And I know they said it to cause the characters to be in a rush, you know, like, you know, like a time bomb situation to add the excitement. I get it. It just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, <laughs> like I don't know, whatever. Think about it. I mean, have you ever even, like, like one time I had to fly on a plane from San Antonio, Texas, to Col- some Colorado, uh, Denver, Colorado, to Seattle, Washington, to Los Angeles, California, back to San Antonio. I did that in the same day. It took something like 23 hours, like going from flight to flight to flight. It was horrendous. And I was just traveling around the, this country for 20 hours. And then somehow they go around the whole Star Wars galaxy and get through all their adventures in 16 or whatever hours. No way. Hey, maybe they were uh, light speed hopping everywhere, you know, or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, it was light speed hopping. I understand. 
like I said, I'll give them light speed, even though it still seems insane. Uh, because if light speed is that fast, then who cares if you're in the outer rim? Because everything's close. You know what I mean? Like if if that's how fast it goes. But still, they have to land on a planet. You know, survey, go. You know, get lost in the festival. And, you know, underground. Go to like uh, the Endor moon and what Exegol six anyway. Because it makes the whole world almost seem small if you can zoom around that quick. But, you know, well, isn't that one of the big problems with Star Wars? Which which is the, one of the big. Uh, big unpopular opinion right now. Okay. For Star Wars, just before we we end this. <laughs> yeah, finally. I was gonna say you should record this whole thing and put it as your one of your bonus episodes. But oh, go ahead. Totally. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't think Star Wars has had a good quality piece of media since Gennady Tartakovsky's Star Wars Clone Wars back in two thousand three. <coughs> well, I, mean, I, was, I wasn't coughing because of what you said. I was coughing because I was vaping. <laughs> but uh, what? <laughs> um, that was good times for sure. And I remember when the Clone Wars CGI series came on the scene because I thought, oh, is this going to be as good as that or better? And I don't know how much you watched of it, the CGI series. Did you watch much of it? So actually, CG Wars, the movie, was the first mm-hmm. movie I ever saw in theaters by myself. Big wow. Mistake there. Wow. And then, <laughs> well, I was only, what? how old was I at that point? I was 2008. So I was only 13 at the time. Sure, 14. I understand. And... Yeah, then they played, they played uh, season one here uh, on one of our regular cable channels, and then after that they took it off, and I never watched it again because I don't have. Uh, okay. I have only basic cable. And you, Caleb? Did you ever watch much of it? No, I also saw that movie and had no interest from it. I later on when we were doing our Star Wars big marathon thing. I watched some of the big arcs just to try to be like, okay, I, I want to be fair to this. Okay, so, so okay, so see, this starts to paint the picture for me. Uh, of course, now knowing now knowing this piece of knowledge, because I've had this discussion on the other podcast I'm on semi frequently, Sci-Fi Party Line, and especially like in the last year or so, we've talked. I've brought this up, what I'm about to say, uh, because a lot of my friends on there have not seen the Clone Wars animated series to any extent either, and I tell them, you know. Yeah, when you, if you ever start watching that series, it's kind of rough going in the beginning. It's hit or miss frequently with the episodes and the stories, etc. But midway somewhere in the entire series, it just starts really upping its game. And it starts getting really good. It starts getting really compelling. It really starts expanding the lore in good ways of Star Wars in general. Like nothing else has for the quote-unquote canonical on-screen stuff. And um, it gets so damn good that after you've seen it all for instance like the prequels are not nearly as bad as you thought they were because you now understand so much more from seeing clone wars and because because it all takes because the the animated series it all takes place between attack of the clones and revenge of the sith it all happens in that time space and it just fills it out so extensively and adds to other things that because you haven't seen, you have no idea what else is going on out there with the forests and everything. That it just it just changes everything, and then it shades your perspective on like some of the newer stuff because there's little. And then of course, Clone Wars went and continued in a way into Rebels, the animated series. So you, when you see those little Easter eggs when you're watching Rogue One or watching Solo or watching, now they're retroactively making 
Easter eggs for uh, Rise of Skywalker. And then Mandalorian heavily ties into the CGI series. And when you just start feeling all the tentacles coming together, see, you don't have that base right there. So you don't have the connective tissue. That's what you guys are lacking because you haven't seen the good stuff in Clone Wars. And see, that changes everything. You need like that keystone, that Rosetta Stone, and then you'll go, oh, oh, Asan. That makes a big difference, I think, for appreciating all this stuff. And like Mandalorian and these newer things, they're just bringing it all together. Like they're unifying all these different Star Wars properties. And like that kind of makes you happy, like if you're a Star Wars fan, because it's, it's bringing cohesion to everything the originals, the prequels, the new trilogy, the spin-off movies. It's just like, hmm. Okay. Um. Or did you guys ever like, I don't know, because you're the right age group, like, or were you guys ever big into like the last Airbender, the original series? Oh, holy smokes. Like, that's my favorite series, period. Like, te- television series, period. Okay, we'll see. Here you, okay, we'll see. Here you go. Okay, see. So Dave Filoni, who I mentioned <laughs> earlier, worked as an animator on the original Airbender. And then from his work on that series, that's why George Lucas chose him to do the computer animated series. Dave Filoni is like the guy who made that show what it became so amazing. He's Everyone calls him like Dave Filoni is like George Lucas's Padawan. That's what they always call him. And... It's him who made Clone Wars so amazing and special. It's him who brought that over to Mandalorian. And then, if you know anything about Airbender, I only know Airbender a little bit because I started watching it for the first time, like when COVID started or something. Um, and I can see how I can see the connections. Like I can see the connections in the storytelling of Airbender, how it flows to Clone Wars to Mandalorian. I see like there's some connective, like shared DNA. Um. Okay, I've heard other things about Aaron Bender where it's like Aaron Ehaz, one of the head writers, was the one that saved that show, and then there's like butting heads between him and Bryke. Well, yeah, Filoni was not one of the, the chief guys. Yeah, Filoni was not one of the chief guys on Aaron Bender. That's just where he got his start, but then, you know, did his thing with Star Wars. It also is apparent that uh, allegedly, this is weird, but apparently he tells Bryke, Brian Konetsko and Michael uh, Dante DiMartino, the creators of that show, mm-hmm. he introduces them to Princess Mononoke, which then leads them to look at other Ghibli stuff. And then apparently Ahsoka Tano is based off of Princess Mononoke slash San herself, which I don't see at all. What? How does that make any sense? <laughs> okay, hold on. Well, how much of Ahsoka have you experienced? Season one. Just in the... Okay. Okay. See? See? <laughs> it all makes sense. It all makes sense. There's so many YouTube videos on this subject uh, of Ahsoka Tano because... because See, I had never heard that for, before, that connection. And that does make sense to me, but not with the early Ahsoka. Not at all. But there's so many videos on YouTube that'll explain how... Ahsoka was made bad by design originally. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously not visually, but the design of her character and her traits. She was made bad by design in the beginning of the series. OMG, does she have such an arc for the whole Clone Wars series? 
that's why I mentioned those last four episodes of the Clone Wars series that came out earlier this year. It is phenomenal. It's all Ahsoka-centric. She is out of this flipping world. And if you're a fan of the whole series, you've seen her go from this plucky, annoying... It, it's it's the better version of trying to do, like, the Anakin arc in the prequels. Oh, this is, like, annoying kid, and then he's supposed to be this badass, you know, in the end. Well, this is... Ahsoka is a much better version of doing that. And... Oh my God, is she something else at the end of the Clone Wars series? And that's why a lot of fans like me were out of our out of our minds when we knew that there was going to be this live action thing because we all know her as the badass who she is now. That would align much more with that anime character. All uh, right, I know it sounds like I'm, sounds like I'm not convinced, <laughs> but <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yep. Fine. The thing of it is, is that the <laughs> my biggest gripe is that. And this is, I've had this mentality since I was 13 years old when I first saw that. Why did Anakin get a Padawan if he's a Jedi Knight? And I know you could just say, well, Obi-Wan got him in... Pretty sure Obi-Wan did, but he kind of had to fight for him. When he did, but I think he was upgraded to the Jedi Council after Qui-Gon Jinn died in Phantom Menace. Here's the thing, if she's never mentioned in either 4, 5, or 6, why should I care? In 4, 5, or (laughs) 6. Yeah, like... Uh, Well... (laughs) I don't know if that's necessarily related to why you should care because, oh, I mean, because, because of course they, you know, she's retroactively created and everything. There's a good reason why you don't know where she was or no one knew who she was during four five and six. Um, but of course she was designed by that, like that retroactively. Um, but she's important in the Clone Wars series as a whole because she being how she is and who she is and how she develops, it adds so much more nuance and understanding to the Anakin character during that same time period. Yeah, and and what you said about why you didn't really care for her, why you didn't like her in the beginning, you're echoing what we all thought at the same time with that first season of Clone Wars, with that movie. We all we all thought the same thing. It's just when we kept watching things things changed dramatically. Looks like I'm still stuck in two thousand nine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you're yeah you're you're on board with what everybody else is saying and feeling at the same time. I I mean I thought she was annoying as shit too in the beginning. I didn't think she was annoying per se. I just here's my here's my biggest like fix or if, if well yeah like you said unnecessary superfluous. Uh, not even that. Okay, here's here's my here's my I don't want to say fix it, but here's my fan fiction. If she was just Paul Coon's apprentice from the start, and then we like interacted with Anakin and Obi Wan from time to time in Clone Wars, that saves the entire series and makes sense going forward i think and she's still the point of view character i would have no problem with that but because she's anakin's padawan i have a very hard time buying that she didn't make an impact on him and that the darth vader i see in episode four is not the same as anakin uh in clone wars it just it doesn't make any sense to maybe me. you just didn't mention her <laughs> you didn't have much time that i uh, no, <laughs> she didn't come up no 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 don't go there but to, but to address what you're talking about there's things that happen in the Rebels series that you go, okay, now I understand how that affected Darth Vader or whatever. So I kind of put myself off of after realizing the prequels aren't good except for Tarkovsky, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm now reading uh, Timothy Zahn's uh, Heir to the Empire, and it's yes. wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. like, yes, it is. Yeah. 
It's fantastic. I read it when it came out. The period between 1989 and then like ni- before 1999 is probably like the Star Wars I want to see and probably should have back in the day. Okay. Well, here's the thing. After episodes, after I watched episode six back in like 2002 or whatever it was, I vowed never to read any other Star Wars media until they made episode seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot about wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I was right, I guess. And now I'm regretting it. Well, well see, this is making the Filoni argument. This is making the Filoni argument uh, because because before Disney bought everything, there was all this expanded universe that was like in the books, like the Timothy Zahn and all the other stuff. Yes, it was. Right. And it was a lot of it was canonical until Disney bought over. And, you know, and then it all got decanonized and made legends. And now it's called Legends. Um, right. And but see, Filoni, while he was making Clone Wars and then Rebels and now Mandalorian, because he's he's down with all that stuff, all the former expanded universe, he has been slipping. He's borrowed from the expanded universe here and there throughout all his stuff that he's done for Star Wars. So he's like made fans so happy by incorporating different things. And if you're a fan of the Timothy Zahn trilogy, then you might get really excited with Mandalorian Season 2 and beyond. Because, see, it all starts coming together. I'm also not a big fan of the, uh... I'm not a big fan of the aesthetic of the prequels either. I wish it went into more, uh, Mobius, French comics, heavy metal, uh, aesthetic. See? Like the original kind of was into, so... And you just mentioned Mobius, who Filoni has used so much of the unused Mobius Star Wars stuff in the Rebels animated series and now Mandalorian. You see? It all comes together. That's why this stuff is so cool right now. That's why this stuff is so flipping cool. That's what people are that's why people are in love with Mandalorian, because they're like, oh, we're starting to get a taste of that Tim- Timothy Zahn trilogy on screen. Oh my god. You know, see see this is why people get excited now. I don't know the I don't know how they shot it, but like I've only seen episode one because I thought it was okay. Yeah. Like I literally thought it was just fine, uh, except for except for the scene where uh, IG88 or whatever his name is, uh, that whatever mm-hmm. series that is, uh, he shows up and they fully realize what he should have looked like in the in the originals, which is awesome. I'll say that. And then there's the there's the red versus blue reference where. Um, uh, Mandalorian uses his grappling hook to grab the turret and just start mowing down all those guys. It's like, oh, that's from Red versus Blue. That's awesome. They actually pulled from a good series. Oh yeah, uh, or at least a good scene. Yes, uh, and- from season nine there. <laughs> and I, and, and then especially in season two and in season one, but especially season two, they start pulling every episode of season or virtually, I should say, er, every episode of season two individually. It's like, oh. This one's an ode to that famous Western movie. Da, 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 da. Oh, this one's an ode to that Kurosawa movie. Oh, this one's an ode to the Dirty Dozen. And they're like doing this ode to classic movies. Uh, if you're like a movie buff, you can pick up on that in season two. There's like, and and then speaking of the visuals and effects, on the Disney Plus, there's this thing called the the Vault or something. Uh, it's like a behind the scenes of season one of Mandalorian. There's an episode in the in that series called The Volume. Uh, and if you watch that, it's like a behind the scenes of how, because as I was watching this show, I was like, oh, how yeah, much yeah. of this is on location for like the landscapes and how much is blue screen, green screen? Cause I can't tell, like I'm- Oh, I know about this. Yeah, and if you watch that that little episode on The Volume, I was mind blown when I saw it for the first time like two months ago. And now 
now I'm constantly watching the new episode trying to guess, is this the volume? Is this the volume? Because you can't tell. <laughs> and, and the volume solves that problem I was talking about like with the MCU stuff that looks super fake when they, in the fake CGI backgrounds. The volume solves that problem for me. So, yeah. That's like a perfect rear screen projection. Just get rid of all that annoying matting stuff. Yeah. Did you did did you see any like I don't know? Did you see a clip of showing of showing you an action about how they use like VR did, yeah. video game technology? Oh my god! It, yeah, I heard about know, that. It's fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah. I might have even shared it to you, Isaac. I don't know if you watched it. No, I think I yeah, I think I saw something like that. I still don't understand why episode like the first episode was pretty dark. It was almost as dark as Rogue One, and I mean it was especially almost as dark as Batman v Superman. So I don't want to go back to that. But you mean the visual of it? You mean it was so dark. I don't understand why. <laughs> like it was so like desaturated. All the color was gone, and I'm like, okay, compare this back to A New Hope, and only in certain scenes. Even though like you know you're in a bland you know cantina setting and in, in you know when you're on tatooine early on it still had a lot of color it still had a lot of color and i mean i'm i know i'm seeing that from my dvd that i have uh of the original theatrical version not the special edition sure man like i don't understand what happened with the mandalorian and world one they just sucked all the color out of everything and that was really getting to me i'm like what is going on why is with why are we muting all the colors you're right it's all very dark i agree um but Going back to the, the top of this conversation, that's where you need a little HDR in your life, and then it's yeah. like shading everything different. Because I obviously watch Mandalorian and, and Dolby Vision, and it's it just sings. Even though yes, it is very dark, it still sings, and it's not so dark obviously in the rest of the series. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know maybe because me and Isaac are planning on going back and redoing our first Star Wars commentary because we did a commentary on the blu-ray version we want to go back and do it yeah because i forgot my copy that night <laughs> yes we want to go back and do the original original version so maybe after that we'll go back <laughs> rewatch the learn again and the other five to seven minute clip you should watch on uh on youtube or wherever uh if also from that behind the scenes series it's a different episode but filoni speaks for like six minutes on why the prequels are amazing fantastic and necessary from a narrative point of view <laughs> i sent him the video oh you did yeah i just watched that that's hilarious we just talked when about i saw it. I, I saw it first when i was watching the behind the scenes series and i was like oh shit that just made a lot of things a lot better <laughs> just listening to that five or six minutes I, I i think my response i think i sent a text that just said i wish i saw the movies that he saw but <laughs> yeah no i'm still with you <laughs> yeah i i I get it. I, get I just want to see. It. I really want to see uh, in future films. I want to see other species experience the Force and how they uh, how they interact with the Force because that's what I've always wanted to see. Mm-hmm. It, the, the whole idea of not a, not a monomyth so much, but like world religions because you know Je- Jedi's are supposed to be you know Buddhist monks tied with other oh, stuff. Man. And I want to see like alien cultures that also interact with the Force, but they don't call it the Force. Okay. Well, then you have to watch. That you have to watch the extent of the Clone Wars series because they get all into that. You see different alien species you haven't seen who are Jedi's and whatnot and Sith and whatnot. I'm not talking Jedi. I'm not talking Jedi. I'm talking about like magic and they call it magic, but it's really the Force. No, I'm starting with that. But then, in the, especially in the Clone okay, Wars series, sorry. you start getting into these other sects, SCCTS, 
these other religious sects who interpret like the force in a different way than Jedi or Sith. And you start realizing there's these other, I guess you could say like different type of religions or whatever um, that interpret the force differently. And there's like these witches, there's these other things. There's also these ancient like force gods. There's, there's, there's other things. And most of this is in the Clone War series. Yeah, I know all about that stuff, and it doesn't really interest me. That's not the way. Oh, okay. I, that's not the way I think of stuff. I'll, I watched those arcs, and those were the ones that really impressed me. And I was like, maybe I should come back and watch this series once I'm not burnt out by Star Wars anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then they do some of that in Rebels too. I can't think of the name of those. There's these creatures who also delve in the forest. They kind of look like gigantic moose, sort of. Oh yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, and there's there's some of that. Are they, are they the Wills? I think they might be the Wills, is what they're called. Um, oh, no. the Wills. They're, they're sort of in, but like they're not Jedi. They're not Sith. They're just some other like like chaotic neutral um, force. That's what I uh, want. Uh, uh, yeah. Bringing D and D into the camp or into the idea through the conversation. <laughs> well, I didn't know how else to describe them because they're they're neither light or dark. Again, my. The way I look at things, I'm looking at it from, because ultimately everything that's happened, you know, from 1999 till now is its own thing. It's its own separate universe. And then I'm still going back to four, five and six. And I want to see what, you know, one, two and three look like from if they were filmed in 1977. And then from going onward, the same thing with, you know, the sequels and what that world looks like from the perspective of the 70s. Because it just probably is so fascinating. Well, that's a big act. So you're saying if they had made the prequels and the new trilogy with a 70s production aesthetic, is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. Or at least a, a 70s vision of what it would look like and not all this modern day technology. Okay, I see what you're saying. Like more minimalism and whatnot. Because I was super impressed with how they made a lot of things look in rogue one specifically oh yes no rogue one was great like just like just like the like the haircut you know and things like that and like the we have sideburns again mustaches yes. and sideburns it's so awesome yeah 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 i i was just like tickled pink like i like, like just they just captured it they just there it is also hashtag Andor should have been sure in we instead that was the series yeah the yeah. series should have been Chirrut Inui, uh, Donnie Yen's character. Uh, the, oh. Instead of Andor, it should have been Chirrut Inui instead. I would have preferred oh, that, yeah. Man, I, I so wish somebody would have survived from that movie. Cause, yeah, there was a bunch of those characters, especially him. <laughs> I just said this the other night. Yeah, because that's the thing. Even if they did make a series based on whatever that name is that I can't say. Um, Andor. No, Chirrut Ch- is whatever. Chirrut Inui. <laughs> It'd still be like, yeah, we, we all know where he dies, so this is just like his little prequel. I know, I know. That's why that's why I'm not as, as excited about the Andor series because we all know how it ends. But that doesn't mean it's bad yeah. because again, they did they did similar things with Clone Wars, and you were like, I already know this character's gonna die because I've seen Revenge of the Sith. Oh, but they still they still make it count. Uh, so you know, it's possible. <laughs> um, and then like you have like like the character saw Guerrera, everyone's like, what the fuck? Who's this guy? And I don't know shit about him, and now he's dead. Of course, because he started in the Clone Wars series, and then you know it's a little bit different if you know some of his back. Oh, I knew who he was. I, I knew exactly who he was. Well, okay, and I'm not saying he's the greatest character ever. I'm just saying. Yeah, what a weird performance. <laughs> uh, it's it's a cool idea of talking about like you know um, 
rebel extremism almost and you know you're comparing what the rebels do and then Sagarer is like the extremist where he will use and the first on-screen use unless we count thermal detonators of uh, grenades in Star Wars and it's in a very you know Arabic looking place I love Jeddah though Jeddah's a cool place I, I, I love that region um, but honestly the rebels didn't really do much dark stuff in that film for a film that was touted as being oh we're going to see like the morally gray side of of the mm -hmm. Rebel Alliance. Not so much. Oh, tune in for Andor. That theme is going to be continued and expanded in the more you watch Mandalorian. That theme of... Because like people say this a lot. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, obviously, talking about Mandalorian. And everyone's like, yeah, Filoni and all them. They must be watching all those fan videos. Or like there's this famous little thing taken from the old movie Clerks. Um where there's like there's a little scene a dialogue scene in the movie clerks where one the dude whatever i don't know if you guys know that i've seen the movie but there's a jag that one of the characters oh, yes. goes on about aren't the rebels really the bad guys aren't isn't the empire trying to bring order and then the rebels come in and they're these terrorists and they blow up the death star and just think about all the contractors who are just innocent like they're not empire they're just contractors who were working on building the, the the second death star and the rebels just kill all of them anyway that's a famous thing out there uh and then people are like are, are they watching that because it's it's starting to feel like they're starting to explore that a lot more in mandalorian season two like they're starting to oh, add to that like are the rebels really so good really you know and, and they're getting more into that in mandalorian about trying to say what good the empire was doing and and it, of course it takes place post jedi and they're like yeah is this world really so great that the rebels won is it really so great they keep bringing that question up in season two a lot different characters huh. and situations i mean what i've heard about you know post to the, the thrawn trilogy that zon did in the 90s or late 80s early 90s is that mm -hmm. The, with what Leia is doing in that whole, like, you know, expanding universe after that, it almost seems like they're using, they are kind of, with the New, Re New Republic, excuse me, mm -hmm. it's the idea of they're just the Empire, but better, or at least not better, but they're trying, it's almost like this whole universe is mucked in that even if you start as a Republic, you'll eventually go to uh, become an Empire. I still like the idea, though. I wish we had done this. I want to see the version of this universe where uh, it was the initial idea of there's always been an emperor, but Palpatine was the one that went mad. Like, that would have been um, so cool if we went with back to, like, those Japanese roots of, like, mm -hmm. oh, no, there's always been an empire. It's not been bad. I mean, there might have been some bad ones, but, you know, Palpatine was the bad one. It's like, oh, that would have been so cool if they had done that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it would have been cooler than the prequels. Or then Palpatine's behind it all. I, I, I feel weird being a, a prequel apologist because you know they used to always be a sore, <laughs> a sore thing for me. But I feel like I, I'm defending it so much more, and I don't know why I'm in that position now these days. It feels kind of weird. <laughs> it's okay, man. Like what you like. I'm. I apologize if I seem like I'm attacking you. It's like, well, no, I know. I just I never thought that would be my place, but it feels like that's what's happening. Uh, they they exist. It's okay with if they exist. Yeah, they're not that. Sounds like Clone Wars is what turned you around on them. Oh no, absolutely. Without that, I, I, I don't know how I could have any of these opinions now. It'd be impossible. So what you're saying is the prequels don't stand on their own without Clone Wars. 
they are exceptionally enhanced exceptionally with clone wars absolutely <laughs> because um like you know who knows when you guys are gonna ever watch this stuff but like uh you know mild spoilers for the end of clone wars series because it, it starts really leading up you know it starts getting in sync with the sith movie um timeline wise and everything events and everything and you start seeing the connections and you're like you start feeling it and then mild spoiler again the last four episodes basically take place simultaneously with sith but you're seeing what else Ooh. was happening at the same time as the movie that's interesting and it's just like oh my god i can't believe this was happening in this other part of the galaxy while those events were happening in sith and like as soon as i finished it i had to go watch sith because it was just like oh like oh this this is so great like not because it's like it's like you didn't see the whole movie you know until you watch that and then you're just like oh man there's so much more going on does it explain why kit fisco isn't as powerful as he usually is or mace windu uh, when they fight the Emperor. And they all go down. And they all go down, like, <laughs> once, because I don't know how you can explain away that, since I love the version Tarkovsky gave me, or uh, excuse me. I, yeah, I remember that. And I have a friend who is, like, with you on that. And I remember, because me and him had these conversations, like, we're having now, like, all these years. And he was always telling me, I'm still holding on to the animated, the traditional animated Clone Wars is canon. I kept telling him, man, now you watch more cgi series nope there's no way it can be canon for a million reasons it can't and he's like i'm still holding out i'm still holding out and then i'm like now that i've seen the end of the clone wars like now it really can't because now they've really because now they've taken it you know in another way of how it all fits together but eh, it's okay i don't know the new version's good too of of what happened but no i don't think they uh, they don't address what you were asking for but at least you do in Clone Wars get to see Kit Fisto's planet, you get to see more of his race, and you know all that kind of That's stuff. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that I could go watch, you know, four, five, and six, and be completely uh, tunnel vision from all this other media that happened afterwards. This is just a fascinating series. It just honestly is. Where Star Trek, you know, started and went forward. I mean, they had Enterprise and they had Discovery. Um, but they kept moving forward. They always kept moving forward with their uh, series, and they actually go forward in time, which is interesting, and Star Wars is very much stuck in the past, and we don't know how to move forward with it, and it all started yeah. because a man needed money. I mean, the prequels, that's that's why. The, the initial idea was that he just needed money, so... Oh, yeah, let's make one, two, and three. It was that, but he had always been teasing it for years and years after Jedi. He always was teasing... Like, remember when, I, when we mentioned Clone Wars in, in A New Hope? Yep, we're going to see that one day. He was always teasing it. He, he always kept saying, when the technology gets good enough that I can make my my vision real. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Here's here's my rewrite of, of, of Episodes <laughs> 1, 2, and 3. Episode 1 starts right at the beginning of the Clone Wars. Episode 2 is during the Clone Wars. Episode 3 is still the end of the Clone Wars. There's none of this, like, 13 years beforehand. It actually starts from, like, Clone Wars uh, all the way. Like, the whole trilogy is Clone Wars. You're saying, again, what so many people wanted as well. Like, exactly yeah. what you just said. Look at that. I arrived independently and this at this result. And we all thought it was going to be that. I <laughs> thought it was going to be what you just said. Like, when the first movie was about to come out, I thought it was going to be what you said. But it obviously wasn't. I, I knew nothing of what the first movie was going to be when I saw it. I was like, oh, 
Alright, that's what we're doing. Interesting. I had no well, I didn't... interest in the Clone Wars, so I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like, okay, here comes the Clone Wars, but no. But, I mean, I have to admit, though, it, I I liked Phantom Menace the very first time I saw it in theaters. Um, it wasn't nearly that bad until I started watching it on DVD, you know, and then started realizing everything that was wrong with it. I, mean, I was completely thrilled with the whole I didn't turn around on them until uh, Revenge of the Sith. I saw that as a kid, and I was like, oh, you know what? These whole prequels, they just, there was nothing to them. And I just, that's when I kind of turned on Star Wars. Which is and funny. even still, I, I don't, I kind of like the first two prequels a little bit more. Just because that last one, I feel like, lets it down so much. Oh, wait, wait, wait. In, in Clone Wars, they explain the, I don't like sand. Yeah. No. But it's so weird, because you guys are young then. Because I, like, uh, Attack of the Clones, I thought was a vast improvement over Phantom Menace when it was brand new. And again, I was really happy with that movie for a while. And then and then fandom taught me that I was supposed to hate it because <laughs> they started uh, and I started watching okay. videos and stuff and they started cause I didn't I didn't get it on my own why it was so bad. But then it start, kept getting pointed out all the reasons why and then I, and I was like, oh yeah, okay. See, I don't Fine. trust the fandom and I don't watch fan videos because well, they're all insane because if, and they're not all of these guys, but if you make death threats against a woman who just, you know, did a, you know, was hired to do a, play a role. Oh, that's a whole other thing. I wasn't even talking about that. For a character that was poorly written to begin with, I don't support you guys at all. Not you, but no, like, no, I don't okay. support that fandom. That subject. That's unacceptable. I think that was, I think that was a niche, I think that was a niche, highly vocal a section of the fandom. I don't think they, I don't think they really represent large numbers of fans. It's just they're so loud um, that it seems like it. That's what I think about that. Because I've never met one of those people in real life. And that so many people had a problem with one guy being a, like just one character. He's black and like nothing else and that's it. Like they just have a problem with him being on screen. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It's just a guy. Again, I don't know if that's real. I know it's reportedly real. What you're talking about, the the backlash or whatever that is, but see, I don't, I don't even know if that's real because I've never met those people. I don't, I've never spoken to those people. I don't know who they are. I only know them as randos on social media or something. So I, I have no idea. It certainly makes you know the the actual like people who go to conventions look bad. I will say that that is rude because it makes those people look bad, and that's that's absolutely wrong. But unfortunately, that stigma is always going to appear with them forever after. Um, because it will make the news. Obviously, the the bad stuff makes the news, and not mm-hmm, the good mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's what it is. I think because otherwise, it wouldn't. If I didn't, you know, if there wasn't the social media, I wouldn't even know that was a perspective that had any prominence at all. Those, <laughs> those, those and, perspective. And here's where you and I are so different in that I have just looked at social media, and I'm just like, it is certainly not for me. I live in a very different world than you do my friends in that like i just i don't accept social media it's it exists but it's i'm not the type of person that can be on there i unfortunately just live in the root not honestly well room. i'm not saying i'm all over social media either uh because i mean i was of the age and old enough to remember when when twitter was brand new i remember it being like an amazing place and i just thought this is the coolest thing and a lot of the people who i've podcasted with for the last decade I met them in that era of Twitter and I don't know how else I would have met them because they're from all over the world. Um, but then we all saw Twitter morph um, over 
the last 10 years and and now i can barely look at it i still check it and stuff but it wasn't like 2008 2009 2010 when i just thought this is the social media for me at the time but yeah whatever that's fair I apologize if I was putting you in there in that group. I'm not. I just I'm talking about the group that. Oh, you Canadians are so apologetic. You guys keep that stereotype alive. Uh, stereotype 101. I can I be straight up with you. I mean, I, you've obviously talked with other Canadians. Uh, yes, I, I think have. that stereotype is wrong. Uh, this is a terrible country. So come on, like it's it's just bad. It's well, that's the thing. I I have known a bunch of uh, Canadians because of podcasting and whatnot, but. What I have not known, but I've heard of, are like the the blue collar variety Canadians, who are, I guess you know obviously are really different. But see, I don't know any of those types of Canadians, and I'm curious about that. Um, I'm probably the closest one to that, maybe since I work a landscaping job, so I work with that whole crew, and we mm-hmm. got a lot of guys on there. Not a lot of guys, but we certainly have a guy who is a diehard devotee to your soon-to-be previous president. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, and there's just so many people up here who are a fan of him. Yeah, see, I don't know those Canadians. I know they exist, but I, I don't know them at all. And by the way, I love Shit's Creek. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a fun, that was a great show. That was a, that was an absolutely fantastic show. <laughs> Can't believe it dominated the awards season this year. <laughs> like me and other American, 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 Americans. Um, what do we call ourselves when speaking of Canadians? I don't know. Central, do we call it Central American? But like me and the rest of the United States Americans, we had no idea what Shit's Creek was until two years ago. So, or like go on streaming or something. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, so it obviously was in Canada already, and then it got on some niche cable channel in the United States that no one knew existed. So it still basically didn't exist. But then Netflix picked up the rights like two years ago, and then that's when it all happened. Because when Netflix Boom. got it, and we all saw it, and yeah, there you go. That's what happened. Uh, I mean, that's what happened with Cobra Kai in the United States as well. Um, huh. Cobra Kai was oh boy, like people knew it, people knew it existed, but no one watched it when it was only on YouTube. And then as soon as Netflix got it, boom, same thing happened. It blew up. Yeah, but I guess you better finally uh, <laughs> finally get this started here. Yeah, we'll talk later. Let's. But th- thank you for talking, Eric. That was that was an amazing conversation. <laughs> I certainly am a changed person after that. I will say that. Oh, you're welcome. I like I like I was telling telling Isaac while you were gone, Caleb. Like, I see, I hadn't known until recently that you had listened to me a lot in my older podcast. So I had no idea. So you you already know how I speak about things. But obviously, Isaac, this mm-hmm. is all brand. This is how I talk all the yeah, time, especially no. when I'm podcasting. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, do you want to start her up, Isaac? Or <laughs> we never know how to start these things. Yeah, it's we never the, do. Uh, we usually just start talking. Yeah. <laughs> how long? Well, when did you guys first start podcasting together? Like a year ago, oh, five years? Yeah. Oh uh. boy. <laughs> uh, this was his idea originally. He, I guess, was influenced by you and many other podcasters uh, of the day. Yeah, that's how I started. Influenced by the the generation before me. Um, but how long has it been, though? Um, it's really only been since 2018 regularly. And then we did, yeah. like, a couple false starts stretching back to 2016 where we record, Episode like... zero is technically fanforstic. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, we did a couple random ones that didn't really work. And then eventually we found a groove and actually started recording regularly at the end of 2018. 
But see, that's exactly, if you listen to my earliest recordings or my earliest guesting on other people's podcasts, it's it's something else. Like, I mean, you shouldn't go seek it out because it's, it's something else when I didn't know what I was doing. I remember that. What was that? The, the, the kind of Hitchhikers inspired one, like Guide to the Hoovers one? Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that was, that wasn't, well, okay. Yeah, that was kind of one of my first things in a way because, see, those things that that was my first foray i guess because i i made them some years prior to when i released them um because i was listening to one of the very first doctor who podcasts when podcasts just started um and i was listening to that show back in 2006 or whatever uh and i was listening to it and i had been listening to it for a year or two and i thought i want to send in a submission like people do to this podcast so that's why i created those things and I sent them in and they oh, played okay. it on their podcast. And then later, that's what I used to kick off my podcast. But yeah, that, that was one of my earliest things. But on Sci-Fi Partyline back in 2009, that's when I was actually, you know, in a panel or actually, you know, speaking my opinions or whatever. And that's the other early stuff I was talking about where I was very unsure and like, I don't know if I should speak yet. And I used to have, I used to print out like four pages of like reference things and lay them in front of me because i didn't know what i was gonna say and all that early stuff that i abandoned a long time ago now i know i can just talk well fair enough and uh and pre-80s fetishization fetishization excuse me of what like in the 2010s like the 80s just like i realized i don't i think i'm not the only one that realizes but like 2010s for some reason was like 80s uh, fetishization. It's still going. It still is sort of going, and oh, okay, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, kind of ended it. Yeah. Well, I see what you're saying, but how did that connect to what we were just talking about? Yeah, I have no idea. Like you were saying, <laughs> 80s references, and it wasn't uh, I not ironic, but it wasn't eye rolling at that point. It was actually like, oh wow, a cool 80s reference. That's a good one. I know it's random. I just said that. I'm sorry, but it just makes sense in my mind. I know exactly what you're talking about. I just, I'm trying to. Yeah, don't see how it connects. Connect the non sequitur. It's like it's pre Ready Player One, where it looks it's it's not again like, hey, you remember this? It's like, yeah, it's a good movie. Why are we referencing it? <laughs> okay, well, I guess we should finally uh, get this going here. Um, one second. Okay, I got an idea of how to start this. But Stranger Things is the greatest okay. 80s civilization, but go on. Oh, yeah, no, I, you're probably right on that. I didn't watch it myself personally, but... I only watched the first season. Or part of the second season. But... I, I love what they did with the release. Uh, the physical, like, copy release was amazing. I bought those. Though at least, the, yeah, I bought those. Those are cool. Do they have a season three VHS? Not that I'm aware of, but I could be wrong, because maybe I'm not okay. looking. But the only problem with the first... Oh, on 4K... The first one on 4K, they rush it out so fast that it doesn't have HDR. So it's only 4K. It's one of the only discs you can buy that is like only 4K without the HDR, which is such a weird thing. Yeah, I was going to say. That's a big oof. Anyway. (laughs) Is there any other franchise you would love to do uh, or you're particularly interested in doing that you would want to come back for? Caleb knows that I've done all the Bonds. And all the Trek films ah, already. Nice. Uh, did you guys finish all the Treks? Uh, we got up to Beyond, I think. I think so. Yeah. 
I can't remember how many BMUs you did, but I feel like there was still some left. I was waiting for expectingly. <laughs> I thought we did all the films. I mean, if there's Beyond would have been the only one that we didn't do if we didn't do them all. I would say. I'll I'll quickly take a look while you're talking. I got them on my phone, so. <laughs> but oh, you know what happened with? I mean, not what happened, but so we did these commentaries some years ago, me and my friends, and uh, especially the Bond ones because we did those first. We did them all with a randomizer. It took forever. Um, but it was it was serious fun. I always felt like, as the one who had to listen to my own voice and the stuff I would post, I always felt like it was the most re-listenable of all the things. And it was the most fun pod stuff I'd ever recorded, even to this day. Um, Agreed. And, and people used to ask us, thank you, and people used to ask us all the time, like, do you got you guys write some of the jokes out? Do you plan some of the things? None of it ever. But I swear, even when I listen to it myself, listen back, I there's certain little things here, and I'm like, how did we come up with that? Like, or sometimes I listen to it, and my mind would recreate the own the same joke in my mind. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna say, you know. I listen back, but then my mind like comes up with the same joke, and then I hear myself say it. I go, oh yeah, okay, same brain, I guess. But um, I love that stuff. And people thought we would write some of the jokes as if we were doing riff tracks or MK2 or whatever. Um, it was good stuff. Uh, where was I going with that? Um, oh, uh, at one point I was like Googling my own show or something, uh, that podcast. And I found some random website called – it was it's called like Zartan's – Zartan's something. Um I don't know if it's Zartan's commentaries or something, but it was a website that someone made and they just catalog and chronicled fan podcast uh, um, commentaries. Uh, not just ours, you know, just like going across, you know, all different podcasts. And Zartan, the website, would list all our BMUs and Shake and Not Stirs. And I liked it because it would have them all laid out and and it would and like you'd click on an episode for the link and then Zartan would pick out little quotes from that commentary and I would just see the quotes that they picked out and oh, just wow. I was like, This is so cool. What is this Zartan thing? I, I never got to the bottom of it, but I always thought it was so cool to see our stuff reposted and represented somewhere else like that. But uh that was the greatest stuff I ever did. And sadly the band had to break up for reasons behind the scenes. Like it's like a behind the music. VH1 behind the yeah, music, but sadly. the band had to break up, and so that team will never ever reunite. Um, sadly, but that was damn good times. Yes, that was very sad. So yeah, I because you guys only got up to uh, nine episodes for BMU. Oh, maybe Beyond hadn't come out yet uh, at the time. I don't know, but um, but yeah, those two franchises for sure. But there's probably like a lot because no oh and and when we used to do those commentaries we used to talk about what are we going to do after star trek and we were saying like maybe we'll do the star wars you know franchise uh maybe we'll do lord of the rings like those are things we were talking about to get into if we would have stayed together i feel like i could talk about most any franchise and and i go pretty deep on movies and, and different things because Anyone who listens to me on other podcasts know I'm obsessed with all the Nolan stuff, all the Tarantino <laughs> stuff, 
all the um uh what's his name mr royal tenenbaum uh wes anderson yeah anderson yeah all that stuff and you know i watch all the marvels all the dcs just like yeah i see it all regardless and i never understand. i don't know i can't even i can't even connect with it and i know it's the majority i guess of people who are like oh yeah i've seen like three or four star wars movies oh i've seen like seven mcu movies like i don't even know how that's possible to just dabble in those types of things uh like i feel like you'd be all in or you wouldn't or i don't know i don't know it's hard for me to fathom i'm fascinated by those people and uh, i think they're honestly pretty good judgments uh are people who can judge the movies properly i don't know why i just <laughs> i think those who aren't in it too much have a good like perspective of like guys it's just movies relax well, I suppose that's fair. I mean, as I keep mentioning on the podcast, I watched all ten Hellraiser films. I mean, oh my although God. once I'm in, I gotta watch them all. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I am very as I am so into the broad spectrum of movies through all eras, but I like my uh, what do you call it? my blind spot, if you will, is I've never been able to dig deep into like uh, horror into the horror genre or more modern comedies of any kind uh, or traditional yeah. comedy movies. Like I just can't, those are like my blind spots as varied as I am. Any particular reason for horror or just not like lack of exposure? Cause I always say the horror movies that I do like are the movie, the horror movies that are just playing good movies, no matter what they just happen to be horror. But then when I watch other horror movies, it's not that they just almost never do it for me. Well, that's the thing. Most of the, bulk of horror movies they they don't scare me in any way and so that i don't know there's just no connection and then same thing with those like modern comedies they almost never make me laugh while there are some movies that make me die of laughter but they're not what you would call traditional com uh, comedies so i something with that disconnect i think eric did you see by any chance since you've seen all the you said you've seen all the marvels and the dcs sure did you see last year's hellboy no, I didn't, and I was—I really wanted to because I liked the the Del Toros, and I was really, really going to do it. And then I just saw all that negative press, a review, I should say, and it, it kind of scared me away. And I was like, okay, I'll rent it. And and but why do you ask? Because should I check it out? Ah, uh, you know, just just try it. It's uh, it's interesting, right, Caleb? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, because I, I, I mean, if someone gave me a good reason, I totally would, um, because I thought those two movies were pretty damn good at the time, uh, and different in a good way. There's some cool design choices, but otherwise, eh. one okay. of our favorite channels we've we've done or we've um, watched watched after watched and kind of modeled ourselves after uh, one of the yeah. one of the people on there likened it to Evil Dead. Well. I've only ever seen Evil Dead 2 and some of Army of Darkness, and I always loved Evil Dead 2. But um, what I was gonna say was, uh, I listened to half of one of your shows, podcasts. Oh. I meant to listen to the whole thing, but I got distracted by other things. But uh, I was listening to the Lighthouse episode, but ah, yes. <laughs> but it was difficult for me uh, because that movie blew me away in the theaters that year or whenever it came out that movie completely blew me away and why is that sir 
Where to begin? <laughs> Where to begin? That's a good question because uh, it's hard for me to put into words because I still haven't you know figured it out exactly myself. But I'll say that when I saw the theater, I was completely in it from start to finish. I was completely like um, glued to the screen. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out where this is going, what's going on, what's real, what's is this a dream? Is this character the older version? Is this is this actually is any of this happening? Is it all made up? And then I had this, and then you know, there's the mysterious ending. Like, how do you, you know? I mean, just him lying on the rocks, and then when, as I was leaving, driving home from the theater with the person I saw with. I was trying to come up with trying to figure it out based on that one viewing. And I had a theory that I thought sounded pretty good at the time. And I was like, I don't need to wait when it comes out at home so I can verify this. But I, and it, but I, if you remember, there's the part in the movie um, where he like falls when he was like painting or whatever, and he falls and lands on his back. Yep. Uh, and after that initial viewing without being able to go back and see, Oh, I, know I thought that maybe everything after that point in the movie was like a fever dream as he was dying, uh, you know, beside the lighthouse. And I was like fairly convinced at the time, uh, you know. And Oh, my goodness. That makes total sense because of the ending. Yeah, but when you, I went back, I bought it day one and I immediately went to try to confirm my theory. And it doesn't work, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But it sounded good at the time. And... Um, what was the other thing? Okay, at the theater, first of all, it was really loud. But I like that's how I like movies, and and you know, the whole foghorn thing. Oh, it was crazy in the theater, and you know how it was oh, filmed, beautiful. Uh, like the 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 old Academy ratio, you know, square. Um, in the theater, it, it was annoying. Well, especially at home, it's annoying because I wanted to take up my whole screen at home. But in the theater. Having it more narrow like that, it made everything so much more claustrophobic, and I got so damn uncomfortable. But like, as if that's what the director wanted. Like I was, as the movie was going and it was getting to the end, I felt like I was trapped on the lighthouse. But I was trapped in the theater, and I had to get out. And I felt like I had to get out of the theater just to get fresh <laughs> air. And I was getting full of anxiety. But it was all because of the. The sound design, the visuals, the everything, and so if a movie affects me that much, I feel like they they, they did something right because I got so antsy and anxious, and and that's not the way I am, by the way. I'm never anxious in real life, um, and so it was an experience, you know, and and that's what I always want, especially when I go to the theater for any movie is an experience, and that was a effing experience, so. Yeah, that's that's kind of my hot takes on that. I like it. That was a good. Uh, <laughs> I initially agree with your, uh, your your read on the film. I think a little better than mine because no, I liked your read. My read was kind of common, and everybody else I think had it had the read. I, I'm not sure if I've heard anyone else say it, but that's just me. But I don't I don't think I would have felt the same way if I had only like rented it or streamed it at home. Like it it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fill your senses visually audibly you know the same way i had to see it at the theater i guess to get that yeah. take away. yeah when i watched it for my note writing i was watching with headphones on and i think that's if you're gonna watch it at home that's the way to do it just that booming uh sound of the the foghorn yeah i just 
It was incredible in the theater. I love that. Hopefully they play it again soon. Me and my cousin, we didn't see it together, but we both saw the theater and we both love it similarly. Cause we're, me and him are very similar in our movie taste. And both of us, I was just like, oh my God, I can't wait for this to come out for 4K UHD. Oh, I can't wait to see the HDR. This is going to look so amazing. Oh, it's one of those movies, one of those rare modern movies that is only on Blu-ray at, at this point. I'm so miffed about that. Because um, it, it would... It, People don't realize that black and white also looks fantastic um, with HDR and everything else like that. I can believe that. I'm miffed about that. But uh, something similar happened with Midsummer, whereas it was only on Blu-ray in North America for all this time, and then they finally released the 4K version. And it sings so much. I noticed so much more in the 4K version that I did not notice. when I was actually, I actually watched it streaming in 4K on Amazon Prime. But that's not the same thing as watching it on the disc. It's so not the same thing. And I noticed a lot more of like directorial nuances and flourishes on the disc that that I did not see streaming at all. So and that's another reason why I'm into that. Yeah, I was so pumped to bring that to the podcast because I wanted I wanted to bring Isaac to the theater to see it, but he just wasn't free at the time. Yeah, I was in a from Midsummer. Oh, for the Lighthouse. Sorry. <laughs> I was in a th- yeah I was in a uh, I was in a mid summer too though, but yeah I missed that one that was my I'm bad. hoping to bring that on some and by the way all these movies are, or these movies are related because I, I told you guys I don't watch horror or anything, but I watched the lighthouse because I was interested in it, and then when I saw it I was like okay now I have to really see the witch, um because huh. because when the witch came out because I'm not into that genre I just looked at it as okay there's another movie I I don't like to watch or have zero interest in that's how i felt about it but then i saw the lighthouse and i was like okay i need to see the witch I fucking love that movie too the witch i think i like it more maybe i don't know uh and oh, then wow. that's what led me to then what else is like this oh i hear midsummer's like this and that was another movie that i would normally never watch now i did see hereditary because i have a friend who's into horror and he's like we should go see this and i'm like i don't like these kind of movies and he's like let's do it and i didn't really care for hereditary i didn't think it was bad um, but it, yeah. I wasn't blown away like everybody else. So then I really didn't want to see Midsummer. But then because of that little journey I just mentioned, I said, okay, I want to, I'll see Midsummer. See if, and oh, I fucking love that movie. Um, yep. And see, I never, I never would have gone down that path, and I never would have looked, you know. But I'm glad I did because I fucking love Midsummer. Yeah, that's coming soon, Isaac. It's coming soon. Good. I <laughs> kept meaning to watch those. Uh, it's funny, The Vitch was uh, around the time I also started getting into horror because Caleb and another friend of ours, or fr- a friend of mine, excuse me, both into horror, and I don't. I think they like it for different reasons. Uh, my friend Johnny likes it for the reasons of gothic. He, he loves uh, the gothic aesthetic and the gothic themes and storytelling of that style. And I don't know about, I can't say for Caleb, but... Oh, me too. You like it for <laughs> gothic reasons as well. I mean that's one of the reasons. It's but. a heightened experience, I'll say that. It's it's as most movies are, but it I don't know, it, it certainly does have that sense of I, I do now like horror for it being scary and whatnot, and I certainly enjoy Lovecraftian horror, just that idea of the unexplainable and the weird and body horror. That that stuff is fascinating to me. Jeez, did you watch Lovecraft Country? I have not watched Lovecraft Country yet. Although Caleb showed me 
What was that one we should we still have to finish it it's been like four years since we saw it but it was that one uh it was set in that one house and whatnot it was talking about angles uh do you remember that caleb oh yeah that was the uh we we mentioned it when we had johnny on it was the um dreams in the witch house that's what an episode it was of masters of horror masters of horror yes yeah uh, i still want to watch that again or we got to finish it because yeah and i got a i got a bunch of lovecraft to show you <laughs> reanimator films <laughs> bunch of stuff you know it's all coming but i back to godzilla for a second i was starting to wonder like why am i getting into this godzilla stuff i yeah i got the criterions and i liked it but that didn't mean i had to go and keep going you know down that rabbit hole uh and i, I started just I trying to put together like what is it because this is not like the stuff i typically watch you know uh, especially in terms of quality quote unquote but I think what it was, it has something to do with like my relationship with Doctor Who and classic Doctor Who, I, and I, I I saw so many parallels to that type of fandom Doctor Who, and I, and so it made sense because I mean Caleb understands this or anybody who knows classic Doctor Who knows that um, ostensibly it's not actually good, the classic stuff. Um, uh highly disagree okay there are there are very good individual stories and plots and certain things like that but as a whole it's not actually good per se but you know for me see that i did grow up with as a child with the original slash classic era uh i grew up with that and i already had that connection and then you know so i had the nostalgia and then the new series came around in the hall that works and i figure at least for americans from what i gather that's the relationship the ones my age or older had. They had the exact same relationship because they would do all these Saturday matinee things on television in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s on cable in the United States. And so, so many generations grew up with the classic ones and then da 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 da. And so, it, to me, understanding how the Doctor Who stuff works and the relationship with the classic era of that, I felt like I'm using that same muscle memory and that's how I'm able to get into Godzilla at this, this late in the game. Like I said, I, I never watched any of these movies ever until the Criterion set dropped. And somehow I feel like I'm able to capture the nostalgia, even though that nostalgia has nothing to do with me because I don't have you know the real relationship with it. But it works for me because then I can. It, it feels like watching classic Doctor Who. Yeah, and, and there's the element of bond to it too. It, it fits right into that mold. Yeah, same thing, same thing, and that's how you also can apologize for, you know, unintentionally funny moments in classic uh, Bond films as well. Oh, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another thing where there's lots of not really classically good stuff. It's just like I I love a lot of these movies, but I can't really say they're good. Yeah, but. Now, classic Doctor Who, I I disagree in in some degree, but I'm saying as a whole because because yes, yeah, yeah, I, I get. There's you. some that are really really good, but there are also some that are really really good, but you still have to dismiss the production design and and budget and everything, even if it is genuinely a really good story. It's still I could easily see like, it. Holy shit! I could easily see a modern audience looking at it and just discarding it immediately, just based on. Yeah. It's very slow. It looks bad. <laughs> when me and Sean and Josh uh, would talk, you know, uh, like before or after recording a podcast, we brought it up so many times. Like, it was like a joke in a movie or something. And then I, I, I repurposed it for this, <laughs> which, I, which, which was, I was saying, like, you, you've heard of, like, yeah. 
you know, like you've heard it somewhere, like the story of um, you were coming home and your family was over, your parents were visiting and they found an, an old VHS tape and they popped in. You walk in and you realize they actually discovered like your your home movie porn that you shot, you know, like 10 years ago and how how embarrassed and, and whatever you'd feel if you walked in and you realize that they discovered your video and they were watching it. And then, and then I would take that, that already existed, that premise. And then I took that premise and said, like when I would talk to my podcast friend, Sean or Josh, and I would say, so what would be worse that, or you're just like in your den watching um, the web planet and then, like your significant significant other walks in on you, would you, you would actually be more embarrassed, I think, to be watching the Web Planet than to just be what you'd rather be caught watching um, um, hardcore pornography. You'd prefer that to having them walk in on you watching the Web Planet. And I used to tell some variation of that all the time because that's how embarrassed you could much easier easierly explain the pornography, and it would make sense. But you couldn't explain why you're watching the web planet. Anyway, so that's how I feel about that. Yeah, Sean. Sean make that kind of joke all the time on the tavern. Oh, did he? It's like, oh yes, Doctor Who, my favorite show, and this is this is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I understand that perspective, but <laughs> and again, I, I love it all. But uh, but but we Doctor Who fan, we have rose tinted glasses to quite some degree, and then people would go, oh, it's the same with. With classic Star Trek, it's a bunch of crap too. Da 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 da. No, uh, have have you season uh, three? Yeah. Any of those people? Could you <laughs> go look at those Blu-ray versions of the original series? Okay, fine. Take out the the CGI effects. <laughs> Just look at the standard episodes, and tell me you don't see a difference between that and classic Doctor Who because it's a well, mile it's... of difference away. Like film versus videotape. I mean, it's it's apples and oranges in that way. But yeah, not just with that. But I understand what you mean. Everything, the lighting, everything. So, but people in their weird modern uh, amnesia, it's like, oh, it's all the same. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. But uh, but yeah, it's great chatting with you guys. Yeah, very much enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Let me know whenever whatever comes up. And yeah, I I could talk about a lot of different franchises. Oh yes, you can, sir. <laughs> You seem like a very highly educated individual. Well, on some subjects like this, but not in all subjects. Yeah. I've just dedicated way too much time thinking about all this stuff. Hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that. Do your like, you know, do what you want to do. Do like, uh, do your passion. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I know, but even with my many of my other podcast friends or genre friends or whatever you want to call them, I start talking about 4K and HDR, and their eyes just start glazing. Like it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just like speaking gibberish. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Just give me a DVD and I'm good. And I, I'm just like a dog. No, you you convinced me otherwise. So that's thank you for doing that. With that lighthouse show, I had so many just so many notes on like the lenses they're using, different types of cameras, and I tried to trim as much of that out as I could because I was like, no one's gonna give a fuck. Oh my gosh, I can't even think of her name right now. But from the Ramen is bearing guest, my Star Trek podcast. I can't even think of the girl's name who I potted with. Um, Caitlin. Caitlin. Caitlin, yeah. Um, Shout out to Caitlin. Caitlin, she still has not upgraded to the Blu-ray era. She still oh. only has a DVD. Wow. <laughs> in, in 2020. 
she still crazy. is rocking the DVD. I just can't. I just can't. I just, you, you want to know how like backwards I am or at my house is? It wasn't until maybe two years ago my dad was still recording stuff on a VCR. Oh. <laughs> hey, there you go. I oh. mean, that is fascinating. Yep. But it makes sense for a certain age group, but I don't know if your dad falls into that age group. 1964-3. That's when he was born? Yep. Yeah, so see, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He seems a bit... He's, he's, like, he yeah. should be 10 or 20 years older to still be in that VHS <laughs> reliant crowd. Yeah, probably. A bit young for that. Good on him. Yeah, we finally switched to... Um, uh, not direct capture. Uh, whatever it's called, direct TV. So now we can record stuff on live TV, which is nice. Yeah, I got that technology in 2003. That's when I got my first HD TV. <laughs> nice. Back when they weren't tube TVs. That was a sem- seminal moment, and it was also what was it? Seventeen hundred dollars? I can't even believe. <sighs> oh, I know. I can't. You know how long I had to save? For seventeen, especially seventeen hundred dollars back then when I was younger and not making what I make now, good grief, man! Like, I want to buy, I want to buy a Tesla. That's like, that's expensive for pit six. Yeah, how many years you've been saving now? <laughs> Two at this point. Oh, that's not bad. Maybe that was longer. Know. Oh, so you really, you really do want to get a Tesla? I legit want to get a Model S because the Model Three looks like a electric shaver. As uh, <laughs> to quote Caleb in quoting Cincy. Uh, yeah, in, oh. in the parts of Texas where I live, like Tesla's not a thing you normally see. Dude, but dude, up here there's a game we play where it's like, all right, how many Teslas are in the row of cars? Yeah, they're everywhere. We literally have at least like within within each like row of cars, you will honestly see like three Teslas. I'm not even kidding yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. Well, all here over. is the opposite of that, and I had never seen a, a Tesla in real life ever until two years ago for the very first time. Like all wow. the models, all the models, like S three uh x and y if you flip the three around you know what that spells uh, yes <laughs> well no yes. if you flip the three around that's an e so s e x y oh okay yeah. <laughs> elon musk you son of a gun but um <laughs> I, sorry go ahead to this day i think i've only ever seen literally like five or six tesla cars in my life like in front of me or next wow. to wow the only yeah. the only thing they don't have over here yet is the roadster, and I'm so I will not be shocked Ooh. if the roadster appears or if the warthog as well. The warthog is totally going to be here, like initially the the Tesla truck, but it looks like a Halo warthog. But the most oh, interesting yeah, yeah. thing to me about Elon Musk is that is him and Grimes. Also, here's the funny thing for me being the tech, and I don't know if Caleb knows this or not, um, but. Ask me who, and I like all different kinds of music, just like I like all different kinds of movies. But guess who has been my favorite musical artist, whatever, since like 2011? Uh, you, you, Taylor Swift? <laughs> no. Although you haven't even <laughs> listened to her other albums, Goof. Yeah, I'm behind. No, although I really do like Taylor Swift. But no, she's not my number one. It's actually Tegan and Sarah. And then... Ah, ask me who, and ask okay. me who my number two is. Uh, is it Bjork? Bjork. No, it's Grimes. I'm not even sure I know who Grimes is. You don't know who Grimes is? I don't think so. Do you, Isaac? Uh, is he folk? Is Holy he smoke. Holy smoke. Yeah, I don't think. He's a she. 
Oh, pardon me. I apologize. But the reason I brought it up because Tegan and Sarah are Canadian. I guess you know that. Oh, is Grimes from Toronto? Because if that's the case, then I don't know many Toronto. Grimes, I don't know where Grimes is from in Canada, but Grimes is definitely Canadian as well. And more significantly, Grimes is who Elon Musk has been with for like the last couple of years and had a baby with recently. Oh, wasn't that the model? Oh, I guess you know her as the model. I didn't know she modeled, but I know her as the musician slash artist. Oh. Uh, more than the model. Oh, yeah, her. She's 32? <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, I used to like Tegan and Sarah. I haven't heard any of their stuff in forever, but... But I don't, I don't know why my favorite... Two artists having to be Canadian. I did not plan that. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it makes zero. Hey, you know we we make them good over here. You know. Oh, okay. Um, oh, and I always thought Paramore was Canadian. I don't know why, and then I realized they weren't. Like, yeah, everybody thinks oh. that, but she's not, or they're not. Excuse me. I totally thought they were, but yeah, I used um, to like Paramore. Uh, but yeah, but I knew obviously I was already a fan. Well, not obviously, but I was a fan of Grimes prior to, and then when I heard of Elon Musk she were a thing i my i could not wrap my mind around that rb electronic <laughs> eh oh yeah caleb she literally is born here so that's wow oh there you go there well you go. i'm stupid i guess that's funny and also yeah and elon musk doesn't on paper doesn't seem like the kind of man she'd be like interested in well he's also part his his family is both part south african and canadian so well, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of it ethnically, but just... Oh, of course. <laughs> because, but more because he seems like the ultimate capitalist or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. And crimes seem like very not that, you know, prior to our relationship. And so... Huh. Yeah. yeah, but it was, it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Uh, hope you guys have a good night. All right. You know how to reach me in the future. Yeah, have a good one. See you guys later. Peace. Peace.